Sometimes, life is yikes. And that's okay. You're not alone. Welcome, welcome to, to Yikesland. Hello, and welcome to Yikesland, our show about coping with and understanding and living with depression and mental illness. We're here again this week to talk about our experiences and to remind you that you are not alone and that this is something that's normal and something that a lot of people deal with. And hopefully we can get through a little bit of it together. I'm your host, Chris Fung, and I'm here with uh, Jelani Hoon. Uh, thank you so much for joining us here, guys. Uh, you know, we uh, are glad to have you guys with us. And, um, you know, it, any day that you're with us, it's a positive day, right? So thank you so much for joining us. Chris, how are you doing? I am still depressed, but I'm okay. I'm feeling a little positive today. Yeah? That's yeah. That's great. That's great. Um, I've been a little under the weather, actually. Um, and, and no pun intended, I don't know if it's the actual weather <laughs> as we're transitioning <laughs> over into fall um, here in Wisconsin. Yeah, Milwaukee, Wisconsin-based podcast. But uh, um, for the past... I don't say week and a half. I, I will say that I just I have felt completely run over, um, and um, all of my energy has been really like sapped for me. Mm. Um, I've even like taken days where I was like, you know what, I, I was planning on doing stuff today. You know what, now I'm just like completely just it's like a lost I'm, day. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to sleep or I'm going to like lay down because I can't deal with today. Um, and I would have slept all day. And uh, wake up, and I'm like, man, I feel like I did not sleep, and I was just run over by a truck. So uh, today, I'm actually feeling a-okay. I mean, maybe it's because we got together and <laughs> we're doing the podcast here today. So that's that's a positive thing, you know. Things keeping mind keeping the mind distracted. That's uh, one of our one of my coping mechanisms, trying to keep things uh, distracted. Um, so that's good stuff. Yeah. Um, but do you get doing- a do you get seasonal affective disorder at all? I mean, I want to say that, uh, yeah, I, I really do. I mean, you know, weird thing. Like for me, uh, I really like the, the fall weather, you know, I, I really enjoy that temperature and that, you know, that brisk wind that you can get out of it. But, uh, as it's transitioning to that ice cold winter, like sometimes I just feel just less able to want to do things, I guess. I mean, I guess maybe that's just. I get kind of just affects people differently, I guess. What about yeah. you? I mean, I think that's, that's pretty common. And even when it's not a bad season, when it's rainy or gray out, I think for me, it's the, it's, it's literally the, the light color, mm. the, the light color, color of the light. If yeah. it's super gray, I'm just like, Oh, it's, everything is hopeless. Yes. Everything's hopeless. <laughs> you know? And it's like, am I depressed separately from, the seasons, yes, but does the weather affect me also? Yes. Hmm. It definitely makes a difference for me. Hmm. And I like the idea of fall and I like the idea of winter, but yeah, I would say it generally, and I think that's true for a lot of us and it's biologically common that it will make you feel more tired because, you know, days are shorter, stuff like that. And for you'd mentioned, you know, just not being able to get up certain days and yeah. especially for people that like, already may spend so much of their day trying to get up. Now I have fewer hours in which to convince myself to get out of bed and try to be a person. Yeah. I mean, it literally sometimes, um, for someone in in, in the state that we are in, like when there's a day where you're just like, this day's done. I'm, I'm literally going to lay down and I can't 
get up and it, my body won't let me or my mind won't let me get up right now. I just feel completely done and sapped of any energy to continue the day. Um, sometimes I will like completely like the whole morning and afternoon's gone. I'll wake up in the evening and I'll be like, man, uh, you know, I look outside. It's like I should get out of the house, but it's also dark now. So like might as well go back to bed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so like it, I that, call that those happens. lost days. Yes, I'm like, okay, this day is lost. I tried. <laughs> yeah, and it happens. You know, it's yeah. it's a thing, and you know, taking it one day at a time. Um, trying to stay positive and trying to stay busy at the same time. You know, so um, for the past couple episodes, as you guys have joined us here, um, we've been just uh, going through our kind of backstories on things I've talked about a lot of my uh background and uh you know i know that today we wanted to talk a little bit more about your background on everything and start where you're wherever you'd like to start i mean do you feel ready to do that yeah i think so it's um talking about my experience with depression is something that i think i sneak into conversation a lot mm. <laughs> because i'm almost like a uh i'm almost an evangelist about normalizing talking about depression where I'll be talking to people that I know don't experience depression and I just mm. try to like slip it in there be like hey this is something that the person that you're speaking with experiences all the time um so you know I'm to be honest a little I guess I am a little nervous you know um to talk about it sort of all at once because that's not usually how I talk about it. But at the same time, I'm really excited because mm. I think it's important and I appreciate having an avenue, you know, to express that history. Yeah. And again, I think it's important for like, again, you're saying you're pretty bit, uh, pretty big evangelist for trying to push out there the awareness of this and, you know, um, and glad, Welcome to the show. I mean, yeah, that's <laughs> exactly what we're trying to do here. We're trying to spread, spread that awareness and, you know, get that whole um, that whole cloud of, that people see over over mental health and um, how some people just like brush it off. It's becoming more and more, more and more common thing. You know, this illness um, of depression, anxiety, any type of mental health issue. I mean, it's it's it affects a lot of people and like. Back in the day, like not a lot of people like to talk about it, but now more and more, it's becoming more and more open, and there are more avenues to get help. I mean, not it's not completely perfect yet, but I mean, we're we're slowly getting there, and hopefully, you know, this show does does that. And um, while I can say that, you know, I have I did two, two episodes here so far of talking about my my backstory and everything like that. Um, it was, you know, I could say it, it was scary, kind of going into it and talking about it all at once, but uh, it was also just at the same time kind of freeing a little bit and kind of uh nice to talk to someone about it and let you guys and listeners out there um you know you know join me on the journey and hopefully it relates to you guys in some way so you know i we'd love to hear your story if you'd like to tell it okay i uh i think i'm not necessarily gonna tell this in chronological order that's fine um i'm gonna go through a little bit of i'm gonna like low-key dive into some of my issues. Um, even though, you know, we talk about depression a lot, I do have other mental health problems that are, you know, at this point inextricable from depression mm. and they contribute to the depression or the depression worsens them, stuff like that. Um, and so 
I am going to be talking about just to warn everybody, uh, depression yet, but then also maybe, you know, suicidal ideation, uh, eating disorder, body dysmorphia, OCD, um, ADHD, and a whole bevy of (laughs) fun things. So, uh, just as a heads up for everybody. Um, and again, get as, as, as detailed as you'd like, or get as, you know, as vague as you like. I mean, I, if we were talking our backstories as movies at this moment, I, I did the Michael Bay version where I just kind of was like, oh, let me get to the big points <laughs> right now and just kind of hit those points, you know, there. But uh, at the same time, um, as we go through this show, I mean, I'm sure that like I'll go more in detail and and into certain points and certain things that have happened. I mean, again, I didn't want to just like, oh, it's like it's like delivering someone like, oh, here's all the knowledge in this <laughs> textbook, you know, of my life. You know, no, there's. There's incidents and things that have happened that uh, I haven't gotten into yet. And so slowly, we like to talk about that. And um, however you like to approach your telling of your story, please. Um, we are with open arms here to accept you into, you know, this. I don't know how to continue that. <laughs> Save me from this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I guess I, I mean, I said I wouldn't start at the beginning and now I'm going to start at the beginning. But I had mental health struggles for as long as I can remember. Mm. My first conscious memories are me being stressed the fuck out. (laughs) And I think in the beginning of my childhood, it was a lot of undiagnosed OCD that kind of engendered me feeling alone Mm -hmm. all the time. Um, And I won't get too much into that right now, um, but I've sort of always felt like, oh, my brain works differently and I hate this and I don't like it and I feel trapped and this is super unpleasant. And then as I got older, I found out that, okay, my brain does work differently, sort of, like other people's brains also work like this, but at the same time, there's a bunch of normal people out there and that makes me feel terrible Hmm. because they seem to be living just fine and I'm having a really hard time doing super simple tasks. So the first time my, my depression sort of started to like rear its ugly head and sort of show signs, um, more in high school where, you know, I was a pretty privileged kid growing up. Like my parents were nice to me. They were great role models. They were still together I was very close with my sister, you know, we, you know, we like, they worried about money, but they didn't let us worry about money. Um, you know, and I grew up in Santa Cruz, California, which is like a little beach and surfer town, you know? So it's like, to some extent, sometimes I still feel like, dude, everything's fine in your life. Like, why are you so sad? Your life has been great. (laughs) Some bad stuff has happened to me. Yeah. Along the way. But like my childhood was fine. Like, Nothing bad happened for me to like have any right to feel all these bad things, you know, and that's not how it works. It's just something that happens, whether bad things happen to you or not, Yeah, you know, but uh, again, like something like that, that's what sometimes you tell yourself, you know, and you know, and that's, that's another part of, you know, depression or you know, the mental Absolutely. health where it's like, oh, I'll try to convince myself of a certain things. Like, again, uh, how I spoke on my, I have that, that whole thing where it's like, oh, you don't deserve this or you, yeah. you, know, you know, you can't do this. You know, it's like, again, yours like yours might be the whole, uh, well, 
why why do you feel this way? You're totally fine. You know, or, you know, you shouldn't, you, sh- you shouldn't, you don't deserve to feel this way. Yeah. You know, Look, so. you have all this stuff. Your life's fine. You know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, in high school, I started showing signs of depression. I would kind of cycle, I guess. Um, I would be like fine for a couple months and then go through sort of two weeks where I couldn't really do anything. And mental health wasn't necessarily, it was talked about in the abstract in my household a lot, but it's almost like it was talked about and yet no one recognized some of the things that I was going through. And so even though looking back now, I'm like, obviously teenage Christina was going through cycles of depression. Mm. You know, no one pointed that out to me. Um, And so, you know, that thing happened where all through school, I was like such an overachiever, getting the best grades, you know, getting some sort of child elementary school valedictorian that doesn't exist, but they made it for me, you know, like my grades were great. And then as a teenager, they started to slip because I couldn't finish my work and I wanted to, but I couldn't make myself do it. And I would stay up really late hoping to like gain the willpower to do Mm -hmm. stuff. And it mattered so much to me. It mattered what my teachers thought. It mattered to me to keep being that person that I had always been that was an overachiever and great at writing and great at expressing myself and always putting 110% into every assignment. And I couldn't make myself be that sometimes. And I'm sure to my teachers, it was like, you never know why teenagers' grades slip when they seem to have been fine this whole time, you know? It's just a teenager thing. And so, you know, some of my teachers were more understanding than others. But again, nobody said, is this person depressed or something? Like, does she need help? And in high school, I also developed an eating disorder. Um, I had binge eating disorder and I really had to fight to get anyone to listen to me that I had an eating disorder. Um, cause I was always like a really, you know, skinny, like lanky kid growing up and with binge eating, you're eating what seems like a ton. Like you eat to the point where you're full and you keep eating and you can't stop yourself. And there may or may not be purging with that. But for me, it was really just like, it was a whole lot of binging not a ton of restricting or purging. And so to the outside, people were like, oh, good, she's finally eating stuff, but she's eating a normal amount and she's not really like gaining a ton of weight. She's still pretty skinny. Mm -hmm. And so I even, you know, like I went to my mom and I was like, I think something's wrong. And I had a doctor that put me on a gluten-free diet because they thought, oh, maybe she has celiac. And I was like, no, guys, I have an eating disorder. I think I have an eating disorder. And it was very difficult to get anyone to listen. Um, And that definitely played into the depression and the body dysmorphia where it's like, I know something's wrong. Something's wrong. But at the same time, it's only going on in my head and I can't seem to break out of the yikes land that's going on in my head in order to get help. Um, And so I... That period for me in high school was sort of when there was, it was like there was no going back from that. And after that, I was like, okay, you're not a quote unquote normal person 
And the sort of what cemented the divide in my head between what I call normal people, even though that's not how it works. Like depression is also normal. Eating disorders are also normal. But sort of like as a punishment for myself, that's when I created the dichotomy of like, here's normal people over here and here's you. You already messed up. And so you'll never be normal. Like your brain's already bad. You're stuck like this. Like what a, what a horrible hell that you're going to have to live in forever. But like, you don't get to be like those other happy people. You just, you don't get to be like that. Yeah. And that's a common thing. And, and people who, who have mental, you know, some mental illnesses or depression, they put themselves in a state where they just like, you're totally separate from, you're separate from everybody, you know, and everybody's totally normal and you're broken, you know, and you know, even I have that same thing as well. And it's just. Yeah, that's it's a, it's a it's a normal thing that we all go through, you know. Yeah, and I think you listen to other people's stories. Like even for me, listening to your story, I was like, still surprised. Even though I, you know, I intellectually know, yeah, other people have these same thought patterns, but I was still surprised to hear that you had some of the same thought patterns as me. I was yeah. like, oh, that's weird. I thought that was only me. And it's like, no, I know, I know better now, but I still kind of don't it's still hard to remind yourself all the time that other people are going through some of the same things as you and maybe not all of them, but looking at somebody else experiencing even some of what you're experiencing makes you feel, you know, a lot better. And then you forget Yeah, <laughs> and then and you're like, Oh yeah, I'm alone again. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, that's a, that's a thing with this, with this disease, basically it, it's, it, it's, well, I said it last week, I think, or, or the past episode where it's one of the few diseases that, that completely makes you feel like you're the only one going through it. And even though you can get told and you can see other people going through the same thing, you are still categorizing yourself as I'm going through this alone and no one else is here with me, you know? Yeah. And that's why we're, I mean, that's why we're here. That's why we're trying to band together. And that's why we're trying to band other people together where it's It's to remind you as much as possible. Cause it's almost like, (laughs) it's like when I shut my dog in a room and he should know that I'm on the other side of the door. Cause he knows what doors are and he can still smell me. I'm still over there, but I shut the door and he's like barking and freaking out. Like, where did she go? And it's like that, like my brain is like that where sometimes the doors open and I'm like, oh, other people are experiencing this. This is fine. Like uh, I'm going to get through it. It sucks, but that's okay. And then like the door blows shut and I'm like, bark, bark, bark. What happened? I'm all alone again. So I think being, having the space and being reminded as much as possible because (laughs) our brains are going to forget it to trick us. Yeah. This, this, uh, yeah important. This, it basically turns us into <laughs> to dogs basically where you, you, you leave the house and your dog, they're like, Oh, she's leaving. And then the second you walk out, it's like, she's gone forever. <laughs> I'm alone forever. This is, I'm, I'm in, I'm in this hell forever by myself. And then the second you come back, they're surprised. It's like, wow, you are here with me. <laughs> and that's basically what this, it's, it's a perfect metaphor for what this is. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, back um, to where you were. Yeah, so uh, I did end up getting help eventually um, for both my eating disorder and some other mental health issues um, in college because I think, you know, part of it is 
the value of having mental health services just around in college where if things are done well, then, uh, you know, your school will create an atmosphere of like, hey, school's going to be stressful and everyone has shit in their past or shit going on now. So just go talk to somebody and that's okay. You know, and I don't know that any school does a perfect job of that, but, and some do it better than others, but um, it was enough of the atmosphere of it's okay to get help that I was able to seek help then. Um, So I got put on some medication for depression and uh, was being evaluated for OCD and adult ADHD, which I'm still not sure about, um, but got some more medication to treat symptoms of that. Um, And medication is a topic that, you know, we're going to talk about a bunch on here um, because it's, it can be a big part of somebody's sort of depression journey. And I'm not here to tell anybody that they should be on medication or shouldn't be on medication. I have been on it and have not been on it for various periods of my life. And it's just whatever you find that works for you and that like you and medical professionals can agree on. Um, So for me, uh, I tried it it didn't really seem to make a difference. I tried a couple different medications for my depression and some had like worse effects than others. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm glad I tried some stuff and I won't necessarily say that I'm never going to try other medications again because it's not like I tried everything that's out there. There's still other options. But at that time I was like, I'm at college, I'm in a safe Like, this is a relatively safe environment for me to start going on some medications because I will be around other people a lot. And I was lucky I had a really good friend and very supportive roommate. And I was like, this person's going to be here. And so she she knows my mental state so well that she can monitor if I, for some reason, like, have a psychotic break as a result of going on this medication. Mm -hmm. So I felt relatively safe starting that, um, you know, I was nervous, but I felt relatively safe. And so I was lucky to have that around me. Um, I hid my eating disorder though in college, uh, which again, it was very easy because it looked like the amount that I was eating was the amount that a normal person would eat. And for me, it was an amount that I have like a pretty small stomach. So I'm like a person that's constantly grazing on food. Mm-hmm. Like I'll eat and then 20 minutes later, I'm hungry again. But at the time I was eating to the point where I was so full, it was painful. But I would do that at, you know, a dining hall table in front of 30 of my friends and no one would notice. And inside I'm like screaming out like, guys, I'm binging right now. I'm binging right in front of you and no one is noticing. And that was very isolating for me. Um, and, you know, I don't blame anyone for not noticing. It's very easy to not notice that, especially like it's not, these are all college kids. They're not medically trained professionals, no. but it was just, you know, it was isolating. Um, and I didn't want to tell anybody that I had an eating disorder because I didn't, you know, it's college and you're living with a bunch of other kids and you don't want to be labeled as that. Or I just didn't even want that to affect the way people saw me. I didn't want 
that to affect the way that people, like I didn't want people to be monitoring what I ate and being like, oh, is she binging? I don't know. Should I ask her? Is she okay? You know, and then I never have the opportunity to get better because it just seems like my my food intake is always being monitored by other people. And it's like, I'm already monitoring my food intake all the time in a really crazy way. Um, so I... I just didn't want anyone to know. And that was also, you know, pretty isolating and kind of created this whole secret life for me Mm. uh, for the beginning of college where it was like I was one person, but then I was another messed up person. Um, And I didn't feel the same way about, you know, just depression. I felt like in the circle of friends that I had at the time, it was okay to admit that you had depression. Um, It wasn't necessarily something that was talked about all the time. Um, I definitely talk about it more with my friends now than I did then, but it was something that was okay to say that you had. I think a lot of my friends were really artsy, so that Mm. was part of it. (laughs) Um, And I don't know if you... It might, maybe it's a stereotype, but sometimes it feels kind of true that a lot of the other depressed people you meet are artsy and a lot of the artsy people that you meet are depressed. Yeah. And so, um, You're that. I, I mean, I am that. And that's the thing. It's like a lot of people that we meet in our lives, um, one of the more common things that we see, especially like uh, in, in artists and people who are creatives, um, yeah, they do seem to have a lot of like, um, depression or mental health issues as well, and uh, I, I don't, I don't want to say that I stand on that on that 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 front of like I believe that like it's the creative field that gets the most like mental health issues or something like that or or, or artsy people or things like that because like a, a lot of people will be like oh like uh, all the comedians and stuff like that they're all depressed and they're all sad and and they're all this and that and it's like well we don't necessarily know that simply because they have a medium where you can like you you know that they're they're talking about like their issues or they're talking about like their depression and stuff like that like again i'm a uh, creative podcast host and I'm, here we go like here's a show about it and i want to talk about it and i want to like connect with you guys out there and again i have a medium to connect and let people know that i have that as well yeah we to express but if i that. was if i was joe schmo like weatherman or something like that. Like, obviously I'm not going to be like, and today's forecast is sunny with a chance of me being depressed. Guys. <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. Obviously. Um, that's that. And in, in, in certain fields, in certain places, like obviously you don't have like an accountant, you go to him and he's like, Hey, how's my bank going? And he's like, good. Also, I feel really sad today. No, that's not happening. You know, I think that they're, I think it's a common just human disease. I think it's it's something that people of 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 all different stages of all different like backgrounds can deal with. It's just like whether or not they're talking about it or letting people know. Like you said, you hit it very well, um, and where you were uh, at certain points with with certain things, and people have have a knack of hiding things, you know, and um, that is something you know. Uh, I I want to say yes more commonly, and especially for me where. Um, I, I have a lot of friends who were artsy and a lot of people who, who were creatives and um, I knew where they stood on certain things and it's just like, yeah, that's uh, that's a common thing so far because a lot of like people who I related to 
right? And like yeah. I, I, I sometimes I wonder, you know, like in my, you know, state of mind where I'm like thinking about it, it's like, oh, if I had a technical mind where I was like beautiful minds numbering and <laughs> stuff like that, and I, and I was dealing and talking with a whole bunch of other people who were like math savants or something like that, or like would how many of them would I know were depressed? You know, how many people would like would I would I interact with at that point? You know, and so. That that's it's a very weird thing. Um, yeah, it's it's a common thing in in our lives at the moment where we're constantly interacting with people in where we are, like people who normally are kind of artsy and normally are kind yeah. of creative, you know, and your know, friends you grew up with and who you related to. I mean, do you? I mean, do you put yourself in kind of like a creative like category? Do you feel like you you have like that creative side of mind mindset, or are you like more? Yeah, I think. I mean, I don't necessarily present myself as a particular thing I guess um but you know all of my friends in college were in film school and I you know have an economics degree and all the jobs that I've had don't necessarily indicate that I would be a creative but that's sort of all the people that I've always been drawn to um I think it's interesting though what you're saying that uh we don't know sort of the numbers or the percentages on people who are depressed or otherwise mentally ill in all the other jobs where you're not allowed to say anything. But I think there is also maybe something to be said about people who are depressed or mentally ill being drawn to the types of jobs where you can express that stuff. Yeah. And that's the thing. So it's probably a little bit of, of each. Yeah. And so that's the thing, like when you have like a medium of like artistry where you can really express yourself in certain ways in in filmmaking or in painting or, or, or writing and stuff like that. Some people get their emotions out different ways. You know, music, it's a a great medium right there where a lot of songs you can, you can easily look up songs where like people are really putting raw emotion into the music and their writing and things like that. And that right there, um, they have a platform to express that, you know, and the creative side, I think they're more in touch with the emotions where like someone who's like really technical, um, and they're like kind of like trying to like stay professional, stay, you know, in a technical mindset. And that's where like you get kind of that disconnect, you know, so we don't really know what the percentages are, you know, really. Yeah. And so you, you connected with people in, uh, uh, in college and, you know, you, you hit it from them for a while and how did it proceed from there? Um, well, I, again, in college, I would, you know, I would sort of go through, depressive cycles and for the first part of college definitely the most prevalent mental health issue was the eating disorder I continued to experience you know OCD or symptoms of OCD I never fully I had started getting evaluated for OCD and uh, potentially adult ADHD I never completed that so you know I obviously have a lot of symptoms of OCD and I live life assuming that I have that, but I don't have that diagnosis. And for some people that's very important, like, oh, it doesn't count if you don't have the diagnosis. And I think that comes from a place of a lot of us experience people uh, misunderstanding what OCD is. So, you know, people will assume it's just about being a neat freak or a germaphobe um, or kind of what, uh, the USA TV show Monk expresses it yeah. as, which is a fantastic TV show, though. It is a fantastic um, TV show. You, that made me feel less alone, for sure. Yes, they but, know uh, drama. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, 
you know, people will be like, haha, oh my God, I'm so OCD because I like to color code my notes. Mm-hmm. And inside you're like, that's not what it is. You're like, this is a special hell where my brain won't stop doing the same brain stuff over and over again, even though I tell it not to. But fine. Yeah, you're so OCD. You know, so it does come from a place of that. Um, so I, I do understand when people are like, if you don't have this diagnosis, you don't have this thing. Um, but uh, I never went back to the doctor mm. that was evaluating me for that. And that's kind of a thing that I have done too much in my life is started seeing a doctor for something and then not been able to go through with it. Yeah, um, that's a very common thing. Yeah. Like, uh, again, sometimes we're just like, it's just too hard. I'm not going to do yeah. it. Or like you kind of just like are really shaky on like whether or not you can do it. And, you know, your your inner self starts pushing you into different directions or put stop to it altogether. Well, and appointments are really hard to make when you're depressed. Yeah. So even just getting up to go to a thing, uh, it can be the most daunting thing in the world. And so like you'll miss appointments with a doctor and then you're like too anxious to go back to them. And, you know, when you're an adult, if you miss too many appointments with a doctor, they'll kick you out. And when you're in college, it was like, no, I would just sign up for a different doctor. But then sometimes I would not meet with them too. Um, and I feel terrible about that because someone was on the other end waiting for me. But I just, you know, in that field, sometimes you, I think you have to expect sometimes your patient's not going to show up because they are trying their best that day, but they cannot get there. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I, I went through depressive periods and cycles where it made it difficult for me to get schoolwork done. And... I felt really bad about it because I was like, I did, I did well in school, but I, because of my perfectionism, I was like, you know what? You could be doing better if you didn't have these mental health issues. And so that's when I started to really hate my mental health problems the most was because I was like, oh, you're setting yourself back so far. You're never going to be like these other quote unquote normal people that are doing fine because they're able to give college their all right now and you're like trying but failing to give it your all because of your depression and your OCD and like all of these distractions and I'm just like you're not going to be successful you're always going to be mediocre because all of these things are always going to hold you back and so that's when I really developed like a <laughs> seething hatred for what honestly is probably now a part of me. Mm. Um, and as far as the depression cycles went, I always sort of kept them at bay where it would, it would mostly be like, I can't get out of bed for a whole weekend. Like I can't do work until literally the last minute on a Sunday or like on the Monday morning before the class because I tried really hard all weekend to make that stuff happen, but I just couldn't will myself to do it. Um, and so it would cycle, but never be that bad for that long. Um, I think the worst of it was uh, when I was studying abroad in Italy and I was an RA. Um, and so I was living with all these students that I was in charge of. And that's a big responsibility. Um, but it was fine. I was used to taking on a lot of responsibility except for when the depression hits. Mm -hmm. And so it would be a thing where I would make it to class, but barely, 
I would finish my homework, but barely. I would, you know, not really be able to talk to anyone all morning. It was kind of the first start of the depression thing that I really experience now where I like could not be social for the first part of the day. I just couldn't bear the thought of other people looking at me or trying to talk to me. Um, and I really couldn't, I'd set an alarm early and be like, this day I'm going to get up early enough that I can experience being in Italy because uh, the apartment that I lived in was literally right in front of the Duomo. Like you walked out your door and that's the first thing you saw. It was probably the most beautiful place I'll ever live. And I hated myself for not being able to appreciate that enough. Hmm. And I wasn't depressed the whole time I was in Italy, but I was like, you are wasting time. You only have a limited amount of time living here and you're wasting it being depressed and you're wasting it staying in bed and not exploring. And I really blamed myself for that a lot mm. and was like, you could be doing an incrementally better job at your job as an RA and you're, you know, at studying and at learning Italian, but you're just laying in bed right now. You're the worst. Yeah. And uh, that was just, it was because it was high stakes because of the study abroad factor, I guess. I really, uh, like I really hated myself then. Um, but it was, again, it was cycles where it would be like two weeks of that and then I would sort of snap out of it on my own. And I'm not sure why or what, and at that time, I don't think I was even on medication anymore. Um, but uh, it just didn't, it didn't seem like I had any control over it. It seemed like a thing that was going to come and go external to me or anything that had happened. It never came up because something upsetting happened or something triggered me. It would just come back like seasons, but not, not like with the seasons. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that kind of made it feel even more out of control because I'd be happy one week and then the next week here comes the depression and everything's crashing down. And it's that thing that we talked about earlier in the show where you feel like I, I have so much stuff to be grateful for right now. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm studying abroad in a beautiful country. I go to a good school. I am very privileged. And yet I'm sad for no good reason. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I did make it through college and I graduated. And at times I thought, because I had friends who also struggled with mental health issues and OCD and eating disorders and depression. And I had friends that needed to take gap years or semesters off or you know, switch all their classes to pass fail. And I somehow soldiered through without having to do that stuff. But I was always kind of afraid. I was afraid of ever doing that and afraid of ever taking that kind of help or going to an inpatient therapy because I was afraid if I was like, if I leave college, I'll probably never be able to make myself come back. Like I'm not going to be able to make it back there. Um, so I finished and I moved to... Milwaukee for a year because I was just, I was burnt out. I was like, college has taken so much out of me. I'm going to move anywhere random and live anywhere for a year uh, and just do whatever and kind of take it easy on myself. Um, and that is when the depression really hit the worst. Okay. Um, and 
I, this is something that I'm kind of going to talk about uh, next time, I think, because it's so big. But I, it was a year of me just being in bed, not really being able to move. And I call it the Great Depression now. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Uh, because that's funny to me. Um, and that's when I tried, you know, the most medications. Um, and I really tried going to therapy, which I had started in college. Um, and it's, therapy is something that I encourage everyone to try, but with a grain of salt, because there are good therapists out there. There are bad therapists out there. There are therapists that are good for someone else, but not for you and might actually be harmful to you. So it's, you know, it can be a little bit almost risky, I would say. Um, but at the same time, it can also be very worth it. And so I bopped around between therapists a little bit, trying to find somebody that I felt like would accept me the way I was, but also encourage me to change while not being disappointed in me if I couldn't make it to that, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, it makes perfect sense. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it like in length and like another episode about like therapy and things like that. But yeah, I mean, it it's a hit or miss type of thing. Same thing with the medication, but at the same time, like you're taking steps. Right. And you're trying yeah. to. And that's like that's a huge that's huge in like coping with what you have, you know, and what we all deal with, you know, this this disease. And again, it's not it's it's trying to get better. Right. Or trying to just cope with it, you know, because it's it's weird because I, I mean, when I hear someone like say, you know, oh, you know, can't you just be happy or can't you just you know <laughs> not be depressed or something like that you know it's it's always funny to me because like you know if you were to have like i don't know like a cold or something like that or a flu or something like they're not going to be like hey can you just not have the flu or yeah, can you stop not sneezing. Can, you, can you can you <laughs> don't not be so sniffly can you not have that can you not have a tumor or something like that and i was like no i mean obviously that's something like there's it's tangible they can see it they can do it. but the thing is like what what we deal with and things that deal with mental health like it's it's very hard to tell sometimes it's very hard to see what the underlying problem is or what it is you know and i mean we find ourselves like at a, at points in our lives where it's like you know we we have like those big moments of of breaking or breaking down or or totally coming to a halt and um, I, again i uh i applaud you for you know, at least talking to us a little bit about, you know, some of the beginning of everything. And, you know, uh, I, I, again, I don't see someone who's not trying, you know, it's, it, you're, you have been trying this, this entire time, even as you said, back when you were, you were, uh, smaller or, or younger, you, you can, you knew something was wrong and it's just where we are as a society and, and people, um, they're just, it's still kind of this taboo thing or this thing where it's like, there's this cloud of doubt of like, this is a, a tangible, real thing that like is an actual disease. And I, um, I mean, that's, that's why the creation of the show happened, you know, and I applaud like the creations of the other shows that, that preceded us. And I, I hope that like this, you know, connects with someone out there. And, you know, I, I hope that like, people out there understand that we're, we're all here together and we're all just trying to cope together and you know uh, and again your story is is important you know and hearing it 
was it was really eye opening as well. So I mean, you are you are a strong person, and uh, I'm sure we'll hear more about it in the next episode. Um, about Can I get to some really juicy stuff. Some <laughs> juicy stuff as well, and and you know uh, that's we're just here, and it's all about being accepting, and that's what we're doing here. You know, so thank you for sharing. If you will. Well, I appreciate you guys listening to me and being here with us. Yeah. Um, for folks at home, uh, we, we do appreciate you guys sticking with us and listening to um, this uh, the show. And, you know, uh, if you guys can support us, that'd be really great. Uh, just tell a friend, let people know, and to spread the word about this show or any other shows that you guys know of or, or listen to that, like, really go into the same subject as this as well. Um, it's really important that we just try to get spread it out as much as possible or any other things as well. Um, if you guys have any, you know, questions, comments, uh, you know, things like that or topic ideas that you guys like to, um, interact with us as community, um, please, uh, send it to us at our email account. Yes, we have an email account now. It is, uh, yikesland, uh, at gmail.com. That's, that's right. Yikesland was not <laughs> taken. I like that. Um, you guys can also follow us on Twitter. Uh, that's, it's at yikesland, um, one word, yikesland. And, uh, you guys can follow us on there. It's, um, you know, where we, want to interact with as many people as possible and connect with you guys out there and just let you guys know that it's it's going to, you know, while, you know, life is yikes, you know, it's going to be all right, you know. We're I all thought all together. the uh, Twitter handles would be taken by now. I thought that too, and uh, I was pleasantly and happily surprised <laughs> as well. So thank you guys uh, so much for joining us here. Again, you can find out more about uh, everything Pop Samurai, our, our you know, parent network um, that uh, hosts this show uh you guys can check them out at popsamurainetwork.com uh and find out more information about all the you know geeky nerdy shows that they have on there as well and then uh you know their expansion uh into other things as well like excellent this um so we appreciate it this has been your host uh jelani hoon along with host chris fung and uh you know thank you so much for joining us and again for folks out there if you are really having a hard time and uh, it's really getting kind of difficult out there. Make sure that you guys uh, seek help and you guys can also uh, seek help at a, at, by calling the national suicide prevention lifeline. And that's 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. It's totally, totally confidential. And if you're finding yourself um, too, too, too far down the rabbit hole and you really need to reach out to someone and need someone uh, immediately, please do not hesitate to call. Um, we really want to make sure that you guys are here with us um, every day, you know. So thank you so much and uh, be well. Thanks for being here, guys. 